Welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast. Voices in Recovery is produced by Freedom's Path Recovery Society, a registered Canadian charity. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider a donation to Freedom's Path Recovery Society. All donations go directly to assisting Freedom's Path in providing their services free of charge and helps us keep the podcast going. We are grateful for any and all donations. This podcast discusses difficult topics such as childhood abuse, drug and alcohol use, sexuality and sexualized trauma, and more. If you are under the age of 18, please speak with your legal guardian prior to listening. The opinions expressed during the podcast are those of the individual and not those of Voices in Recovery or Freedom's Path or any other organization. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy this podcast. This podcast is being recorded on the traditional land of the Blackfoot Confederacy. This consists of the Kainai, Pekani, Siksika, and the Blackfeet in the U.S. We acknowledge the Stony Nakoda, which consists of the Bearspaw, Morley, and Chiniki. We acknowledge the Satina, Huradene, and the Métis, Inuit, status and non-status from all of Turtle Island, and those who are visiting. We are all treaty people. So, Sandra, trial by fire. It's, uh, thank you for coming in tonight. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, so, basically, I, I ask questions as we go along, but it's, it's all generated by you. So, it's your story, however you want to tell it, um, of your story of life, like recovery, whatever story is yours. So you can start anywhere you want. I'd rather you ask me questions. Okay. <laughs> at least at first. Okay. So um, how, let's see here. What was your childhood like? Um, I had some really good things and some challenging things. Um, some of the challenging things is that I was shy to the point of paralysis. Which okay. I had to work really hard over the years to like even get the courage to like talk to a stranger on the street or mm. like, you know, like people chit chat in line at the store yeah. or on the bus or things like that. You know, like I didn't do that. Mm. I was really, really, really shy. Um, but uh, I was fortunate that like it provided um, a good positive foundation foundation to draw on later that I had um, family that we saw every week uh, from the time I was born until I was 17. We get together for like a big roast and mm -hmm. there's that consistency um, with seeing family every week. We had a lot of extended family in the area um, and I had the same group of friends, girlfriends, all the way through elementary and all the way through high school. So that provided a foundation of stability. And it was a pretty positive group. You know, mm -hmm. we just went over to their houses and went to movies, went out to dinner and nothing, you know, TV movie-ish going on. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, pretty boring, but it was fun for us. Um, and, uh, but I was raised by two parents that both um, identified their their own upbringing as uh, I would say lacking in in attention and love and communication. Mm -hmm. So I was raised by two parents that had challenges uh, in knowing how to bring up a child okay. in those ways because yeah. they didn't experience it themselves, right? So it's like you have to learn it some other way, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so there, there was a lot of like, um, think, not that I like 
remember a whole heck of a lot, but just like putting the pieces together, I think there was a, probably a lot of criticism, mm -hmm. a lot of negative comments like, well, that'll never work, or you're supposed to do it like this, mm -hmm. or you're not doing that quite right, that kind of thing. And not a lot of um, kind of like drawing a child out with um, showing interest in their like individual unique personality traits and trying to like tease out what they like to do mm -hmm. and what they're good at and you know there probably yeah. wasn't a lot of that like um i i was uh <laughs> like i i was it was said like over and over again that i should be a secretary and mm -hmm. i mean i would be the worst secretary in the entire world like i don't have a single admin uh <laughs> trait to me <laughs> so i like it wouldn't be, i wouldn't even have a shot at mm -hmm. that but that just goes to show that there was no kind of uh, trying to find out, you know, mm -hmm. like what what is this individual child, you yeah. know, what what is she, you know, interested in, mm -hmm. right? What is she passionate yeah. about, right? Um, yeah, uh, let's see. I was healthy, um, but I, I I was shy and. Um, I did, ha aside from my own group of friends, I, I did not really fit in, um, either in elementary or in high school. So if there was a bully in the room, they would target me pretty quickly because I was shy. And also because in high school, I had quite a problem with acne mm. starting at 14 and okay. it went till 17 and it was yeah. quite a bad problem, yeah. which my aunt had too. And I think my dad might've had. Mm -hmm. and. So those two things combined, shy and skin problems, mm -hmm. didn't go too good. So it's a good thing that I had my own group of friends that I talked with every day and yeah. hung out with all the time, you know. Um, but I definitely wasn't a popular girl mm -hmm. at school. Yeah. Yeah. And now, I mean, like, how, how was it? Obviously, acne is a problem for lots of kids, right? But, sure. like, when it's a, when it's a real problem it's different than just normal acne right it so was more it was more than that was it? yeah and, yeah and kids yeah. are so cruel right like yeah they're yeah they are yeah um it's not that anyone really came up to me and ever commented on my skin mm -hmm. ever um it was just i think it was like i noticed when when i finally went to a dermatologist when i was i think i had it's close to 17. Mm -hmm. When I finally went to dermatologist, a friend of mine took me actually, and she's like, I go to a great dermatologist, and you know, I had problems like that too. And so I went and it worked like mm -hmm. right away. And she gave me this like tinted uh, skin cream to put on every morning, and it was like great. And um, it was just weird to me that like somebody, like one of the, you know, popular kids, you know, was like, hey, Sandra, are you going to the party at so-and-so's this weekend? And I'm like, what? Mm. <laughs> right? Like, are you talking mm. to me? Like, <laughs> right? Like, so I kind of got used to, um, like, not fitting in and having some people be cruel to mm. me. Um, so that was kind of, yeah, I think that sort of carried on in life a bit, like in, in university, um, I, I used to hang out at this uh, political club, mm. even though my major wasn't in politics, but it started out with knowing one or two people who went there. And yeah. then my, my boyfriend at the time was going there and I, you know, so I used to hang out in there and, um, 
we had this like uh, what do you call it like uh, toast Toastmasters or whatever, okay. yep. or like right debate or, or whatever, and I I did quite well at that. And and it's like public were, speaking practice. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You get okay. up there at the microphone, right, yeah. and you have your your two minutes or whatever to speak to an issue and mm. and to debate what other people said. And so apparently I did did quite well, and people were quite impressed. And they invited me to a party that weekend, and. I felt really uncomfortable. Like I, I didn't go, mm. and I, I don't think I bowed out very gracefully either. Like I just, I just felt really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Like I, I wasn't used to that, and um, yeah. So I mean, even today, like I, I practice my social skills a lot. Like it started on the bus. Like I used to see someone sit at the front of the bus. They'd be chatting away to the bus driver, and I'm like you know, this bus is like this, this hour and a half bus trip is really boring. Mm -hmm. It's really long. And I thought, I'd like to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'd like to be able to sit up front, right? And mm -hmm. talk to the bus driver. And uh, so I started practicing. I thought, okay, okay, I've been watching this long enough. I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go up, right? And today, you know, that would be so easy for me. Mm -hmm. It's not even worth talking about, right? But in my 20s, mm -hmm. it wasn't. Yeah. And so I, I went and it went well the first time and then I kept doing it. Mm -hmm. And then I noticed that the bus driver seemed to like enjoy talking with me and we'd laugh and we'd talk about all these different mm -hmm. things. And I thought, wow, I can do this, mm -hmm. you know? And so um, then today, like I, I can pretty much talk to anybody like anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, but that took a lot of practice, yeah. you know, and it went from being very shy, very, very criticized, very insecure, um, you know, and not having that validation in high school mm -hmm. and not having it really at home. And it took a lot of, a lot of practice. But even today, like um, with my art therapy, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, I, uh, like it's addictions art therapy, um, through, <laughs> mm. you know, um, like that's something that I'm even working on now is like we we're like we're finishing up with talking about self-sabotage mm. because just like I wouldn't go to that party for yeah. the, the political club, yeah. you know, there's things today that I, I kind of find a way of either ruining mm -hmm. or avoiding or mm. um, I'll kind of try for something and then at the last minute, you know, kind of ruin it or I'll purposely say the wrong thing because I think, you know, sometimes in job interviews, um, I have done that and I, I can still do mm -hmm. that today because yeah. I think there's still a part of me that just feels like you're not good enough. Mm -hmm. Like you're not, you know, like you don't want them to find out mm -hmm. that you're not good enough Yeah. and I'll, I'll ruin it. Mm -hmm. So. Okay. Cool. I mean, that's, that's and I it. can talk a lot now. You can tell. <laughs> but it's okay if you keep talking. You don't have to. You don't have to pause and look to me if you don't. If you if you're good talking, just you can keep talking. Okay. I'm not, no one's gonna be like, oh my god, she talks so much. Because <laughs> the whole idea is to talk. Is to talk. <laughs> so there'll be no criticism for talking too much. Yeah. Okay. Not not where I'm around anyway, because okay, I talk yeah. way too much. And but I'm. I think it's. Um, can you elaborate more on that? Which like, part? Well, all of it, actually. But oh, okay. like, when, does it, when does it get triggered now? 
in terms of that self-sabotage? Like, is it mostly with like stressful things? Does it happen just at different occasions? Like what's kind of the triggers for that? Um, or what were the triggers if they're not so many now? Well, I think I still struggle with that with job interviews. Mm -hmm. um, like in the last, I think eight years, um, like I, I, I think there's probably at least seven, like, okay. Uh, like, okay, let's say all of them. Okay. That's okay. <laughs> seven and I probably make almost all of them. That's okay. And the um, reason I'm asking the question about this specifically <laughs> is because this happens to lots of people. Really? There's a lot, there's lots of people that just, they may not self-sabotage in the same ways or same places, but they might. Right. And, and that's why I'm kind of asking, like, what is kind of the motivating, what happens when that's triggered kind of thing? Yeah. Well, okay. yeah, I did, I did notice that, um, you know, an interview might be going real, like it, it might seem to me to be going well. Mm. And, um, maybe even to the point of like the last five minutes, <laughs> the yeah. last five minutes of the interview, um, and I'll just blurt out something that'll just ruin it for mm. me. Like, for example, like an interview I had maybe uh, two, three years ago. Mm -hmm. See, I, I like I had to go through four different kind of what do you call that? Like pre-interview assessments to okay. get there. Yeah. So I made it to the the top, so to speak. I was one of three people. Um, it it was to uh, give a, a a service to uh, the homeless and people in poverty. Um, which I've experienced myself as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, you'd have like an office and they come in and forest lawn and you assess their needs. And, mm -hmm. and so, you know, I was getting some, some feedback from the interviewer, like, you know, your, you know, your skills seem good or whatever, or you're, you're very experienced or this type of thing. And she's thinking seriously. Mm -hmm. Right. And then in the last five minutes, I say, I would have a really hard time turning people away who obviously were in need um, because they didn't have the required paperwork to prove that they were in need, which mm. was stated as policy in the interview. Yeah. Now, I know that that's not going to get me the job. Yeah. You know, you tell someone, I don't like your policy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, come right in. You know, mm -hmm. please sit down in your new office chair. You know, yeah. like, I know that. Yeah. But it just mm -hmm. sort of came out, mm -hmm. right? And I, I think... It's because um, one is that I've had chronic health issues for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's hard on me to go to work. I I sort of wing it in terms of am I physically and mentally going to be able to do this? Mm -hmm. But because I enjoy work so much, because I kind of need money like everybody else, I'll I'll risk it, mm -hmm. right? I'll yeah. say, well, let's see what happens. You yeah. know, how long will I last? Maybe mm -hmm. three months, three weeks, six months, a year. A year would be really good. Yeah. Really that, good. That must be a stressful process for you. That is. Yeah. That is. So I, I think there's kind of this thing that kicks in at the last minute that says, that's a protective, right? Mm -hmm. Like, do we really want to do this? Yeah. You know, apparently subconsciously I don't mm -hmm. <laughs> because I'll blurt things yeah. out. Um, or it might not just be that you don't want to. It might be that there's this part of you that recognizes it's not 
the right fit for you. That could be too. Yeah. That could be too because I've I've pushed my health many times, mm -hmm. and then it takes a, lo a long recovery period to yeah. to recover from doing that. Yeah. So that's very true, and I'll I'll lose ground with my physical health. I'll lose ground with my mental health, and then there's the also the even if I was. Uh, mentally and physically healthy and fit to do it there's also the social aspect so bullies at work will also find me okay. and I I will deal with it uh, sometimes I'll deal with it well mm -hmm. like if I'm quite strong quite um, you know I don't have other significant stressors my health is okay you know at that mm -hmm. time period um, I like I'll I can handle it well or I can I can fail to handle it yeah you know whereas I start to kind of shrink I mm -hmm. start to shrink I start to kind of want to be invisible yeah. I, I don't want to deal with confrontation I don't want to deal with issues mm -hmm. I don't want to um, do something like you know probably what I should do is uh, you know, to keep my, my supervisor informed with what is happening. Like, you know, sometimes I can do that. And other times I won't stand up for myself. Mm -hmm. I won't, you know, and I'll, I'll start to feel like I don't belong. Mm -hmm. Like I'll start to feel like I'm back in high school, right? And yeah. like the bullies, you know, threatening me and intimidating me and, and making me feel bad about myself and like I shouldn't be there and, and, uh, I mean, I was even punched in the head at work in a boardroom, <laughs> which is by like a, By a colleague. By a colleague. Really? Really, in the temple, when everyone was looking the other direction because the meeting was over. Mm -hmm. And so everyone was like exiting the door and she just like this, wow. right in the head. Like I was 30, like nine when that happened. I know, and I never told anybody. Mm -hmm. And I, I, it was kind of, I was, um, yeah, and it was part of like a spiraling down for me where I was mentally becoming less and less able to cope. Mm -hmm. So I think because I was already in a little bit of a vulnerable position, I had suffered some moderate depression that year, mm -hmm. um, a relationship that I'd really hoped would lead to marriage broke up. Mm -hmm. um, I was dealing with that. Uh, I was dealing with a couple of stressful dynamics that had started at work with um, new positions and people fighting over, you know, who was supposed to do what and, and animosity and, and, um, and uh, yeah, and a few other things like dynamics wise. So, uh, yeah, I think that year too, somebody from one of the other buildings who, who didn't like me. Um, a lot of people did like me when I started. Um, I was funny and, and you know, I, they were happy with how I was doing my job, but I just find that things start to slide. And I think, you know, it, it's like if one person doesn't like me and then if she is good friends with this person, she'll gossip, then the good friend of hers will gossip. And it just starts to spread like a wildfire. And before you know it, there's less and less people willing to stand by you mm -hmm. because it just kind of, it's almost like a domino effect, mm -hmm. right? And then the people that aren't being kind to you, they're like saying the odd thing to the supervisor and maybe my supervisor is really happy with me and maybe we're even good friends. But after months of the same person complaining all the time, you know, she may start to wonder or just get tired of mm -hmm. hearing it. 
And then she starts to wonder if I fit in. And then when I stop defending myself, the Mm -hmm. whole thing just collapses, Mm -hmm. you know, and I end up having to leave. I quit or I get fired or whatever happens. But, um, but yeah, this person punched me in the head. And the irony is, is that she had just given a presentation on how to handle bullying with teens because <laughs> we were working with you. Really? So she, <laughs> so she gives this presentation all about bullying. And then when everyone turns, she punches me in the head. <laughs> what, like, what, what was that about, though? Like, why would she pick on you to punch you in the head? I don't understand. <laughs> That, I mean, don't get me wrong. It doesn't seem like a reasonable thing anyway. Anyone with you. Yeah. But like what what could have, I don't know what would have motivated that. Um, not In terms of between me and her, yeah. nothing. We, we didn't even work in the same building. Hmm. Uh, she worked in a town that was like two, like two hours away. Mm-hmm. And I didn't see her very often. Um, however... Um, she had picked up on kind of a vibe that there was a couple of other staff that were on my case Mm -hmm. and she decided to jump on that bandwagon Hmm. and why she did that. It, it really is probably just the same story of any bully. Like there's different kinds of bullies, like, right? Like if you, it's been a long time, I think it's eight years since I looked it up, but if you look up bullies on the government, there's a government website Mm -hmm. on bullying. And there's three or four at least different kinds, yeah. different motivations, yeah. different personality types, right? Like some people are social bullies, like mm-hmm. they're a whiz at, at befriending people. They're mm-hmm. like, you know, they just, they know how to like leverage a social situation. Mm-hmm. So, but they're a bully and they'll pick at least one person to victimize mm-hmm. And they'll do it in a way that it's really difficult to defend yourself in that scenario because they, they're so good at it, yeah. right? And, you know, they, they make sure that they do it in a way where they're not going to get any negative feedback from anyone else, right? Yeah. Right? So it's like, I'm at, like, why does any bully do what they, they do? I mean, I, I, yeah. I don't know. I, um, I, I wasn't <laughs> suggesting you were inside yeah. her head. It was just like more of a... Was there an event or like something? A, like, a, like a proceeding... Some sort yeah, of trigger point, right? Yeah, like, situation or yeah. something happened or a conversation yeah. or a fight. Nothing. That's, and, <laughs> Nothing. And that, that, that's reasonable in terms of bullies because bullies don't really need a reason, right? Yeah. So that's what I, was, I meant. It wasn't like well, you and did it, something. Yeah, or, well, I mean, yeah. I could have, right? I mean, it's maybe I, I killed her cat or something, right? Like, I mean, who knows? Driving <laughs> out the parking lot and, you know, I, you know, but <laughs> nothing happened. Like, and um, it was really, what was really, what was much harder on me than her actually punching me in the temple was my, res- my response or lack mm-hmm. of a response. Mm-hmm. That was way more damaging yeah. than the event itself. Yeah. Because I was already weak already when it mm. happened, which is probably why she did it. You know, mm. she probably sensed that, you know, there, there was some social tension, right? Makes me queasy thinking of that. Ugh, I know. And, and, and she's probably still working there and I'm gone. And, you know, it's just not fair at times. But Or it was a gift for you not to be there anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it had reached that point, but, you know... I wish that it, you know, sometimes I, I would reflect and reflect and reflect thinking, 
if only I'd been stronger here, if only mm. I'd said something there, if only if I'd stood up for myself there, if only I'd, uh, you know, gone to the appropriate authorities within that organization and pointed out uh, relevant policy mm -hmm. and, you know, legal, um, you know, it just, yeah, it things just kind of got to a point where yeah. it was best for me not to be there. Yeah. Um, I just became highly stressful and my, my physical and my mental health were suffering already a great, like a great deal mm -hmm. by then. But if I'd been stronger at that time, I, I could have done something like this. Uh, you know, the supervisor was at the front leading the group out. I, you know, excuse me, you know, I'll just make up a name like Sarah mm. or whatever. Um, So-and-so just punched me in the head. Mm. Uh, is there a video camera in this conference room? Mm. And I'm going to be needing to take a mental health day and I'm going to be needing to talk about this with, you know, the, the, the you know, the her and the person mm -hmm. above her right yeah. and but I never said anything and I was so upset and so further weakened by what she did that but when it came time to make my presentation mm -hmm. I told my boss that I, I wasn't feeling well yeah. and didn't make the presentation and yeah. she was shocked right and surprised mm -hmm. and I certainly didn't look sick right yeah. why was I bowing out from mm -hmm. going up there you know um, but in terms of in trauma, mm -hmm. right? Like certainly getting punched in the head was definitely a trigger mm -hmm. for, you know, bullying in the past, right? And, and bringing up all the old stuff. Yeah, all yeah. the old stuff, yeah. right? High yeah. school and, and anything that I'd buried, anything that I'd left behind, um, I didn't feel like a 39-year-old Sandra at that time at that moment, I felt like a very vulnerable, insecure, extremely shy uh, high school student with acne on my mm -hmm. face, you know, um, who really didn't like, didn't even know if, if people would even like sympathize with mm -hmm. me, like, like, you know, didn't even know if other students or, or even teachers, teachers were nice to me, but I didn't know, like, as inside, I felt like, you know, I probably deserve this. Mm. Like, I, I guess, because I, I'm not fitting in, so, and I'm a target for bullies, so I guess there's something about me that um, attracts, the like, aggression and exclusion. Mm. So, I mean, like, cognitively, I don't think that, yeah. but I sure can still feel that yeah. sometimes. So, so if I get triggered... And it is, it is like a traumatic uh, re-experiencing of feeling vulnerable, both mm -hmm. like in high school, like in grade nine, the biggest guy in high school, he was uh, probably six, five, very big. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, he was relatively, I think he was new in school the year before, but he had made friends with the cool kids pretty quickly. He threatened to like physically beat me up mm -hmm. a few times. And it was when I would defend myself. Yeah. So if he was like saying cruel things and I ever said anything back, yeah. he would say like, you ever, like you ever say anything to me like that again? Like I'll beat you up after school. Yeah. And this is like, like, I mean, he's probably a wife beater today. Yeah. Like well, who knows? I yeah. hope not. Yeah. Right. But who, yeah. who, like that's criminal behavior. Mm -hmm. Like to me, if we replace the word bullying 
with criminal behavior, mm -hmm. you get a whole different spin on it. Oh yeah, for sure. Right? Because yeah. like, you know, I think that I, I don't have a lot of familiarity with exactly what goes on today with bullying in, in schools or, but it should be just as significant at work in our adult world. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I think it is. I think yeah, it is. Right? Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. I think if you Google it, there's all kinds of articles on that. We have a day, we have anti-bullying day now. We do? Yeah. We just had it this past week. It just came through. No way. I think it was Wednesday. I want to say it was Wednesday. Well, I'm glad we have an anti-bullying day. And of course, there's kids that end up committing suicide and things like this. Horrible. Oh, you're so pretty. Hi. <laughs> Hi, sweetie. I'm just looking at the dog that's sitting in yeah. front of me. Everyone's Not like, like a psychotic break. Yeah, I didn't just have like a, I didn't snap and just start talking to Sandra like that. I'm talking <laughs> I'm talking to Sandy, her yes, dog. She's so pretty. Yeah, Beagle Cross. Sitting I'm, so I'm sorry for interrupting. No, no, it's fine. No. Her eyes got I, me, those big eyes. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm proud of my dog. So mm. I never mind people paying attention to my dog. Yeah, she's my, my pretty princess. She's a sweetheart. Yes, yeah. she is. Yeah. But yeah, like it's I think that um it's it's much easier for organizations or schools or whatever to uh, not respond when the word bullying is used, although hopefully that's that's changing and maybe there has been you know a lot of change. I hope so. but it's much if someone says criminal behavior, yeah. right? Now you're talking legal, right? Like mm -hmm. there's no gray area there. Yeah. Like if somebody follows your child like home from school with the intent of physically hurting them, mm -hmm. that is criminal behavior. Yeah, I think they call it stalking, actually. Yeah. Like if, yeah. You're, if your intent to do is to do something, I don't know if that's stalking specifically, but yeah, I think it would be. Well, it's, it's stalking or worse because like stalking um, is a crime even if there's no intent to physically hurt the person, mm -hmm. like if you're harassing the person, yeah. right? Yeah. Making them feel intimidated and uncomfortable mm -hmm. and, and weirded out. And um, But if you're, yeah, like if, if someone is, like a, a few kids are planning on beating mm -hmm. up another kid, right? Like, oh, well, they're just kids. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that's the old mentality, right? Is yeah, that's old, kids, yeah. Kids, will, kids are kids. Boys will be boys, right? Like that yeah. stupid, those stupid sayings that um, they probably weren't stupid when they first got said, but now they are. Yeah. Because now we realize the, the like the consequences of bullying. Yeah, right? and and they show that the me like the mental stress that you go through in that context and also in other contexts in childhood, it 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 forms neurological pathways, yeah. right? And like you're dealing with it your whole life. Mm -hmm. Like it will, like apparently, like I think the research shows that it will compromise your ability to deal with stress mm -hmm. your whole life. Oh yeah. Right? Like, yeah. yeah. The reason like you didn't say anything, one of the reasons you didn't say anything about being punched in the temple is because it's a trauma response. Yeah. To freeze and do nothing. Yeah, right? I froze like a little bunny in a field. Yeah, because you learned by that point in your life, you learned that by freezing, you won't get hurt more. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. The chances are the assault will end. If I, if I don't say anything. Right. Yeah. It's a trauma response for sure. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, and, it, and just <clears> completely <throat> nonsensical, like, you know, there's no doubt, like mm -hmm. all kinds of policies that would have protected. Sure. And she probably would have been fired. I mean, they probably did have a video in that conference room, they might you have, know, yeah. 
But it's like, I'll never know because I didn't, <laughs> I didn't ask. Right? I didn't but, bring it up. <laughs> yeah, and that's, you know what? And I understand that that might be a thought in your head, right? Like, oh my God, if only I'd brought that up. Um, but it's also, and it's also okay that you didn't. Yeah. Because they're in that moment, you couldn't. No, I right? couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't. I really had come quite powerless. Mm -hmm. I really had, yeah. And, I, and, and even a couple of years later, like I was still uh, like reading books about it to try to, uh, like I remember like sitting there with this, this book open in my lap and it just sort of came across it and, it's, and it said, people have a very hard time understanding why when they're having mental health uh, issues of any kind, that it's so difficult to deal with conflict, mm -hmm. you know, what, why could, and it, it said that, you know, and it made sense to me that it's just like, if you have the stomach flu, mm -hmm. you're, you're not going to want to go have a fight with your neighbor. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, yep. and it's the same thing with mental health. Like mm -hmm. it, it just conflict requires an enormous amount of energy, mm -hmm. like and resources from yeah. a person, like physical and mental resources. And if you're compromised, men, your mental health is compromised, you're gonna shrink shrink back from that to protect yourself, like you said, from, from further damage, mm -hmm. because um, trying to exert resources that you can't manage to spare at that time mm -hmm. it will incur further damage of course. to yourself, right? And even if like, you, even if you potentially did have the energy, but your mind doesn't believe you can because of all that you're, is going on with that trauma, right? Like yeah. you might have the physical stores of energy, but the emotional energy that it takes to go through that conflict, that's a whole other animal, right? Yes. And when, we're, when we are coming from that place of trauma, we can't think outside that. No, Like no. we have to learn to think outside that, right? Like at first we can't, I mean, it can be learned, but that doesn't mean that first response is going to go away. The freezing, it's, right? We just have to fight yeah. through it sometimes. It's still going to be hard. Very hard. And that's only if you know. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If you don't know what's going on, then it's damn near impossible. Yeah. Right? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And that makes me think of my very first full-time job. I was mm. 26. It took me six years to complete my degree. Like, um because I took a year off to do Math 30 again. I took a year off because I was very indecisive and, you know, part of a lack of confidence, mm -hmm. I guess. I had no idea, right, what I wanted to do. Yeah. And then I took another year off uh, because I had a, a mental, like a mental breakdown, right? Like I had clinical depression. Um, it was two months before I was due to graduate and I, I, became got clinical depression and um i was actually talking about this in therapy recently too because um like a fear of success mm -hmm. right and like self-sabotage and things like that i find it very interesting that two yeah. months before i was due to graduate i became unable to graduate mm -hmm. um not not that i mean there was other things going on in my life too and uh, things that were very stressful so mm -hmm. it wasn't just that in a vacuum yeah. But I, I just still do find it interesting because I think looking back, um, like I learned that, uh, like I, I'm gonna I'm gonna pause it there and come back to that later because okay. I kind of lost my train of thought there for a second, anyways. But but back to my first full time job, like I was 26 and 
Um, I, after applying to like 30 places uh, without a full degree and with no work experience, mm -hmm. I finally got hired. Um, and I was working with adults with disabilities full time, nine to nine to five or whatever, mm -hmm. eight to four. Um, well, I experienced, that was the year I started drinking. Mm -hmm. And I experienced in that job the same um, eventual rejection and bullying that I did in high school. Yeah. Um, in university, there wasn't too much of it because I kind of kept to myself anyways mm -hmm. a lot. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, like, I, I remember when I first got there, like, everybody liked me. They were happy with my work. Um, you know, people were friendly and sociable with me. And, um, and then somebody came back that used to work there. Mm -hmm. And she came back and um, she asked me if I wanted to go to a movie. You know, she could tell everybody else liked me. Like, you know, she was, you know, interested in being friends. And she asked me if I wanted to go to a movie. Well, I did the self-sabotage mm -hmm. thing. I got really uncomfortable. And I, I didn't bow out gracefully. I said something stupid and I... Um, she was kind of getting uncomfortable herself and even offended and, um, and then, so she decided, I guess she probably felt rejected by me or mm -hmm. whatever that didn't go well, right? That interaction, yeah. her inviting me out and then the talk start started mm -hmm. and she started gossiping to others and, and it turned out that she was quite a terrible bully probably not someone I would have been friends with anyway, but mm -hmm. my own sabotaging behavior was because of me, not her at the time. But it turned out over the next like year that I, I found out that she was quite a terrible bully. And um, she, um, let me think. So anyways, yeah, so that year, at first everyone liked me. I got along with everybody. Then the talk started because it started with her and because she was so like socially present and powerful and, and like just, you know, I was respected that way. Like things started to, you know, not go well for me there. And um, yeah, and I just remember, oh yeah, she, she I was in, my, I, yeah, I was 26. And we were at the le the staff lunch table, and I had had a date the night before, and she was like, uh, somebody asked me how it went, mm -hmm. and I said, oh, you know, we went, whatever, we went out for dinner or whatever, uh, you know, then had coffee, and we went home. And then she said, well, I'm surprised you didn't fuck him the first night. Like mm. that. Like in yeah. front of everybody. Mm. And I was only 26, which looking, which feels quite young now. Right. It is and quite young, actually. Yeah, it is yeah. quite young. I didn't realize it then, but it is. It is yeah. quite young, and I didn't know what to say. Like I, I was like humiliated, mm. you know, and like I was just. So that was like one incident, um, and then like um, there was like it was a it was a culture there that whenever staff had a birthday party, that they would bring birthday cake and everyone. So my birthday came and nobody had a birthday party for me. Like they mm -hmm. had one for every other staff during the whole year, but not me. 
So there was that. Mm -hmm. And then there was another day where um, when the staff would, sometimes the staff would get together with all their clients and decide, okay, we're all going to go to the Stampede mm -hmm. or we're all going to go to Devonian Gardens, right? Everybody left. And my poor client was like, where is everyone going? Like, what's happening? Like, how come we're not going? Mm -hmm. Like, nobody invited me. And, and I even had, like, a few, like, sort of friends. Like, I wouldn't say close friends, but few sort of staff there that I talked with regularly and that were nice, good people, mm -hmm. right? But even they didn't have the sack to stand up to her, mm -hmm. right? Like, if she said, we're not inviting Sandra, then we're not inviting Sandra. Mm -hmm. And, like, nobody wanted the kind of attention I was getting put on them, yeah. right? And, um, but eventually I did have this, <laughs> I'm like smiling about it now because I still find it quite satisfying that in one of the perhaps rare cases, hopefully it's not as rare anymore, but this bully did end up getting hers and I, mm -hmm. I, was, I was around to see it before I did move on to another job. Mm -hmm. And so I finally like, um, went like went to the boss mm -hmm. and and said stuff that was happening with her and what she had said to me about you know called me a whore basically mm -hmm. not not that it's you know not that i'm making any comment about ethically what's right or wrong in, in people's decisions about who to sleep with mm -hmm. but in her case it was very much on purpose a derogatory mm -hmm. comment it yep. was it was meant to humiliate me mm -hmm. and um so, yeah, so I went to the boss and she took it serious, like, and she said, well, are you sure she's not just joking? Because she seems really nice, right? Mm -hmm. She seems really nice, right? Yeah. Like, these people are really good yeah. at hiding the, the monster within, right? No, we had no idea. Ted we... Bundy was so creepy. We had <laughs> yeah. no idea. He was such a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> he's like this big lawyer and everything like well yeah. and it's always the same they were such a nice guy quiet like yeah <laughs> yeah people like them yeah. yeah they were so personable <laughs> <laughs> it's your own fault for getting murdered he was such a nice person that's really funny yeah bullying yeah. is just so insidious though like it's insidious yeah yeah, yeah right and it's kind of um, there's probably a little bit of like like narcissism or even further down the like that that direction with bullies too because they they don't want to like they don't want to sabotage themselves mm -hmm. in their social environment right they want friends they want to keep their job they want to be invited to parties mm -hmm. they don't want people not to like them right yeah. but they've got this dirty little secret about like how cruel they can be and that they actually look for victims mm -hmm. whether they realize they're doing it or not mm -hmm. they seem to look and find victims mm -hmm. right so but they hide that mm -hmm. or they either hide it or they'll be so good at like talking about other people that they'll they'll basically convince other people that they're right about you mm -hmm. whatever horrible things they're saying mm -hmm. right um but yeah so yeah so yeah the boss was like are you sure she wasn't just joking and i like i basically said no but i said it in a way that i was really serious mm -hmm. and she's like okay and so she said you're gonna have to come in as well and I'm going to have to talk with both of you and you're going to have to say all of this in front of her. And like, and she was like, are you okay with that? And I'm like, yes. Mm -hmm. And she's like, okay. 
But as it turns out, I didn't ha end up having to come into the office and kind of fighting like she said, he said kind of battle. Yeah. Because somebody else, one of the other nice people at work, mm -hmm. had finally had enough. And the next week, they went in. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't that they were a target. They weren't. Yeah. But they, she, they talked about all the, the targeting that this person was doing mm -hmm. and how she had actually made a list of the people that she wanted to get fired at work and oh, shared it with everybody. Yeah. And he saw the list, and so he went in. So she got into a lot of trouble. And when she came out and her face was like beet red, and it's like somebody asked her if she was going to the staff party. She's like, no. She's like, I'm not. And I said, you know what? I think I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> and that was like my shining moment. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, like, I think this year I'll go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like really funny. But that was, but that, I'd say that's maybe, like, that's a rare, I find with, like, um, bullies that I've encountered most often that doesn't happen mm -hmm. like they'll they'll continue with their behavior and they yeah. don't they don't get any trouble for it um but yeah so that was the year I started drinking though because it you know and I think you know I mean I had my own apartment I had a full-time job um I had a boyfriend for part of that year but I mean my life looked pretty normal and but I was suffering a lot on the inside. Mm -hmm. So that was the year that, that I started drinking. And I had showed up uh, to work t uh, really drunk, like mm -hmm. on one occasion. Like, um, <clears throat> like I'd been up all night with uh, the leader of the band at the local <laughs> pub. And no, we didn't sleep together. But not that that really matters one way or the other. But <laughs> <laughs> I do like the qualification. We just, we talked all night. We talked, yeah. No, it wasn't anything nearly as, uh, you know, intellectual chit-chat all night long. It, I wouldn't say it was a time well spent or a quality hmm. evening or anything like that. But, um, you know, all night drinking, right? Hmm. Just up all night drinking and... Um, yeah, and I, I was very drunk when I came into work, and I, I just, people could tell there was something wrong with me, but I just said I was sick, you mm -hmm. know, I wasn't feeling well, and and, and that, so, um, yeah, yeah, and that, and it was that year, too, that I started going, there was a local pub, and it was Morgan's, actually, on 17th, um, and I was feeling low one evening, mm -hmm. and I lived alone in an apartment in Bankview, and I, I, I went to my local pub. I, you know, and, and when I look back, you know, like, um, I think I felt like pretty restless in my life. I think there's a lack of meaning, there was a lack of purpose, there was a lack of direction. Um, and on top of all of that, I was dealing with a lot of inner pain mm. from, from previous years and not having the words uh, yet to describe yeah. what I felt or why or what I thought or why mm. or how I perceived the world or me in it and why and I had no words to put to it right yeah. so the only thing I knew how to do was to avoid how I felt mm -hmm. and so yeah so one night I like just was feeling low and bored and um so I just went to my, walked to my local pub and um, I 
seemed to be quite well accepted there. Mm -hmm. Like the bartenders were really nice to me, which sounds so stupid now, but when you're, <laughs> yeah, when, but when, you're <laughs> when no one's treating you nicely and you go somewhere where they do, it, it stands out. It right? stands out. Yeah. That's right. You know, I mean, I guess they thought I was pretty and they, they thought I, you know, looked the type, you know, like to, you know, and I, I knew how to dress and, you know, mm -hmm. wear nice bar outfits and whatever. And, um, so yeah, like, I remember going there and I was sitting alone at the table and then one of the bartenders who was like a popular bartender, like he was like well known at a lot of different bars and he had quite a career and he was like popular in general in that mm. sort of social group, right? And he was a fireman too and he was quite tall and quite buff and just like quite, you know, he was popular or whatever. He was a real stud. He was a real stud, yeah, a real, a real stud. stud muffin, yeah. I, I wouldn't say on the inside, <laughs> but on the outside gotcha. and socially. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, so he noticed me sitting there, mm -hmm. right? And, and, and this is a girl who had bad acne for two or three years in high school, didn't get invited to the popular parties, mm -hmm. didn't get noticed by boys, right? And, was, and used to be really, really shy. Mm -hmm. And so I was sitting there by myself and, um, you know, he talked to me and, and he said, have you been stood up? Mm -hmm. And I can't remember what I said, actually. I don't remember if I said yes or no. I don't remember what I said. Um, but yeah, he came over and sat with me after, right? Mm -hmm. And talked with me for a bit. And so... I'm sure I had a drink or two. I, I didn't have a drinking problem at that point. Um, like I'd, I'd spent time, um, let me think, let me think. Okay, no, 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 that's debatable whether, you know, actually I did, ha I probably did have a drinking problem already, but I had kept it social, so. That sounds like a good alcoholic right there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I didn't have a drinking that problem. That sounds yeah. like my fellow alcoholic. <laughs> High five, air five. Yeah. Yeah, I'd only just spent, you know, like uh, the last, you know, year or so in the bar with my <laughs> friends, but I don't have a drinking problem. That's how it felt for me, too, damn it. I don't have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> I just go out a lot. Like, mm. what? Like, I know. So, yeah. So, but that was, but that was the year I started drinking alone. Mm. So, I would, I started going like, quite often and during the week so that that was when I started going alone mm -hmm. to the bar during the week not on the weekend mm -hmm. and that was when I started um that was when alcohol like would not last if it was in my home mm -hmm. like if it was in my fridge it was gone the same day yeah so um yeah so I I found acceptance there like you know people wanted to talk to me and I kind of just like became really like animated and sociable and, and I would go and, and I would go by myself, right? And I would talk to all kinds of people, girls, guys, you know, there was a dance floor there that mm -hmm. played, you know, nice, great 80s and 90s music that I liked. And there was different ba live bands all the time. So I would sometimes talk with the band members and... I, I, you know, started, got to the point where I was there till 3 a.m., mm -hmm. like, every time. Like, I, I wouldn't leave, right? I was there till 
clothing all the time and um yeah and so then yeah so it, it went from like being out every weekend um with my girlfriends at the bar for for quite some time like i don't know maybe a year year and a half to doing it by myself mm -hmm. and so so then that's when you know things started to to happen that you know it, it became not just always my choice mm -hmm. you know that it was something that i was dependent on yeah yeah and so that's what i learned to do like if i was at home and i was you know feeling badly or or just if i felt this restless mm -hmm. kind of feeling yeah. you know i would just call a cab or you yeah. know get out get out there start walking and mm -hmm. walk to the walk to the pub and that's that's how it started so and, and so when you would when you would drink did that start to help confidence and help you it, yeah 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 it did yeah yeah i i it yeah it did yeah because i yeah and i built up a tolerance like mm -hmm. um you know i could get close to 10 drinks down like for somebody who's at the time I was probably 105, mm -hmm. 108. Yeah. You know, that's I thought that was pretty good. You know, I went from two or three drinks to almost 10. And sometimes I I could have a good tolerance that day where I wouldn't even get sick. Mm -hmm. And then other times I'd be really sick yeah. the next day and the yeah. whole day be ruined, right? Mm -hmm. And it would, it would be yucky and um yeah, it really helped with the confidence. Like I, I always drank when I was there, and um, and as much as I could get down and quickly, um, I I would choose things that I liked and that were sociable. But um, yeah, and sometimes you know people would buy me drinks and stuff too. But um, yeah, but it it got to the point where things were like started to. It, you know, it, it did work. Like, so you asked me, did it help with my confidence? Like, in terms of what I was using for, it yep. absolutely worked. Yeah. Like, when I was there, I was happy. I was bubbly. Mm -hmm. I was confident. I was good with people. Mm -hmm. Everybody liked me. Like, I even, you know, some of the butch girls and mm -hmm. stuff, like, they respected me. Like, you know, nobody gave me a hard time. Mm -hmm. You know, um... Yeah, I was just, I, I was sort of in my element, you mm -hmm. know? And so, yeah, I felt, I felt accepted. Like yeah. I felt, okay, I found my groove, right? Mm -hmm. And, and there was, yeah. He just let me know how much time. You're good. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, you're good. He's yeah, just letting me know. Yeah, feel free to direct me in no, any no. way. Like, yeah. He's directing me, not you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're all good. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so it worked. So it helped with depression. It helped with mm -hmm. anxiety. It helped with feelings of rejection. Yeah. Um, it helped with feeling lonely and bored. Um, it helped me practice my social skills even more. Mm -hmm. um, I met guys there too, although yeah. I can't say I don't think I ever really met anything that I would call that was a, ends up being like a quality, like life changing. Like, oh, wow, I met this wonderful, like, not really, but, um, but I would meet guys, like, mm -hmm. so it, it was validating, you know, mm -hmm. for me as, as a, as a female, right? Yeah. And, um, but I learned things about myself too, like, um, 
And later would come, like, the reproaches would start. Like, people were starting to hint, you know, mm. that maybe this is going a little too far, you know? Mm. Like, um, you know, this is sort of becoming your whole world here, you know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, like, I learned things about myself, too. Like, I remember, like, the, the lead singer of a particular band who was, you know, if anyone could be described as an asshole, I would describe him as an asshole. Um <laughs> You know, he, you know, he wasn't faithful to someone important in his life and, and he was pretty much in it for himself, pretty narcissistic. Um, but he was a, it was a regular band that played there once a week. And, um, so, but I remember him saying to me one day, like, um, he, he said, it was more, I, th I can't remember, I don't think it, he, I'm not sure he really meant to help me by saying it. It was mm. more like a, almost like a complaint or like a, like a, uh, or maybe just like. A criticism of some kind? Well, I'm not sure. I don't hmm. know if it was meant to be a criticism. It was like, but I think, you know, it's funny that some, some people that, um, may not be the nicest or the they may be quite self-centered like um, sometimes they've also gone through a lot themselves psychologically mm -hmm. yeah. and sometimes they're the best person to point out in you that there's there's something wrong with you mm -hmm. <laughs> you know or, there's, or like your psychology mm -hmm. or like you know it's actually helpful information like so anyway like one thing you said he said to me when one evening he said you know um not that I'm, you know, whatever, but like he said, you know, you're beautiful. And he's like, you don't even know it. And, and he just seemed sort of agitated and kind of like, just sort of like, like this was some kind of waste or this was mm. some kind of like bad thing. And, and, um, I had no idea what he was talking about. Mm -hmm. I'm not a clue what he was talking about, um, or why he said that to yeah. me. But years later I did. Years later, I, I did understand what he was saying to me because I never felt beautiful. Mm -hmm. I never felt beautiful. I never felt pretty. Mm -hmm. I never felt... Nobody ever told me that. Like, no one ever... Um, yeah, I never got any validation or any kind of mirroring feedback mm -hmm. when I was growing up that you're pretty. Like, mm -hmm. that wasn't something that I ever thought of or felt. And I don't think I saw it in the mirror. Mm -hmm. In fact... Like in the last couple of years, like um, I've got some some like skin problems, and I I get like abrasions sometimes, and thankfully makeup covers it pretty good. Um, not always, but a lot of the time it does. But when I looked in the mirror and I saw the abrasions on my face, I think that was the first time in my whole life that I looked in the mirror and I thought, you know what, you used to be pretty, hmm. like like I liked the face that was compared to the face with the abrasions mm -hmm. and that was the first time it was the comparison okay. that allowed me to have any like some kind of appreciation mm -hmm. for just what I look like yeah like I never felt like a pretty girl like I mm -hmm. when I went to uh, like I mean when I saw the dermatologist and mm -hmm. the acne cleared up and I was a perfectly healthy athletic girl the attention that I was getting from guys at the bar seemed to indicate that I was pretty, mm -hmm. but I did not see that mm -hmm. in the mirror. I didn't feel it. I didn't see it. Yeah. Um, 
And I remember going to Maritimes in my late 20s with some of my, my girlfriends, um, that I, the, the, the ones we went, to, we went to the bar all the time. But we also worked together, mm-hmm. some of us. And uh, it was a good time. I don't know why I say this. But. <laughs> there's, there's lots of good times. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure there was. <laughs> yeah. But we all went to the Maritimes because one of us was getting married. Um, so we all went to the Maritimes. And what I loved about out there, it was, it was uh, 45 minutes from St. John's. It was called Boys Town. Mm-hmm. And it was basically just like a road through the woods. And that was Boys Town, like yeah. just a road through the woods and houses, like that okay. was it. Yeah. And that's where we were staying. And everybody had kitchen parties, right, where people would just walk into each other's houses, like no phone call, no, we're having a dinner party, mm-hmm. nothing. People just walk in and out. And it was just part of the culture that you sit in the kitchen mm-hmm. and you get out some food and you start talking like yeah. at any time of day. I thought it was wonderful. It's kind of a neat idea. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not an idea that I would appreciate, just so you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think it's a neat idea, but not for me. Yeah, yeah. I think it only works yeah. in Boys Town. <laughs> I think it only works with people who are really cool with leaving their doors open. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everybody did. And, and I mean, there was only like like 10 or less houses on the road, right? That makes sense, And they yeah. probably grew up together, yeah. you know? So, but I remember like we're sitting out outside on the deck and there were some guys there that lived there. And, um, I remember one of the guys was talking to my, my, one of my friends and who, who's, uh, who was from there. A few of them were from there. And, uh, what was it? I I forget exactly what she said, but it, it was, she told me about it later and it was something like, uh, she said to him or something like that, like, oh, you should you should go talk to Sandra or, or something like that. You know, she's, she's out there or something like that. And, and, and he had responded to her that um, he thought, well, I, I didn't think someone like Sandra would ever talk to me. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and, and again, like Marjorie said to him, like, Sandra's not like that. Mm-hmm. Like, Sandra's down to earth. Like, Sandra's, Sandra's not like that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, she'll talk to anybody. Like, um so, but what he was seeing was like someone that was maybe too pretty mm. for him to talk to mm-hmm. or, but again, it's just, I just say that because I had no idea what he was talking about. Mm. Like even when Marjorie said that to me, I, I had no idea what he mm. was talking about because I didn't see myself mm. that way. It's hard to feel that too. Yeah. 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 You know, even today, like I, I whatever but it's you know it's it just all ties into Mm self-esteem and self-image and Mm self-perception right and and consequences of being bullied for a good portion of one's life to be honest with you like it it does go hand in hand with that like it's a it's a very natural response to being continuously bullied and told you're not good enough right yeah and that that's tragic yeah and how could it not really eh? of course yeah. Yeah. Unless and you yourself were a psychopath, then it might not matter to you, <laughs> but you're yeah. not, right? Yeah, I so. felt, yeah, I felt pain, mm-hmm. yeah, in response to that. Yeah, and, yeah, so, I mean, and that's interesting, too, with the whole idea that it actually changes your mm-hmm. neuro, right? Yeah. Like, your neurological pathways. So, I mean, that's kind of interesting, isn't mm-hmm. it? I mean, but it's like we were talking about, there's, 
there's a reason there's a national bully day. Don't you know what I mean? That pink shirt day. Yeah. <clears throat> and there's a reason that's there. Hopefully it makes we change, you know, hopefully it's not just a day that we acknowledge that there's bullying and then we go back to bullying, you know, and I think that's the trouble with bullying is that it just has so many, there's so many offshoots of who gets hurt by it, right? Um, yeah. Even the person bullying, because you mentioned it, of course, someone who's bullying has probably been bullied yeah. by someone or yeah. abused by someone. A lot of the time, I, I, that'd be a good I, guess. I, I would, I'm guessing, of course, yeah, but, but it I makes sense. Yeah, but I would guess sense. the same thing, that yeah. they learned it somewhere. Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes people learn it's either me or somebody else, and I'd rather yeah. it be somebody else. Like, I'd rather be the one doing the bullying mm -hmm. than being bullied, mm -hmm. right? And how can I control this situation so that I'm never the one being mm -hmm. bullied, yeah. right? I'm the one in control here, yeah. right? Yeah, it's quite tragic. The yeah. whole thing. It is. You know? It really is. Yeah, who grows up going, I want to be a bully when I grow up? Yeah, and I, I don't, I mean, we were talking, I've been talking about this all week, I guess, to be honest, but we were talking a little bit about psychopaths earlier and just how um, there's not like, obviously, thank God, not everybody's one, but there are enough of them in different industries and in different walks of life to make life pretty miserable for, for a good percentage of people in those areas, right? And yeah. it's uh, like some bullies are probably psychopaths. They're probably born yeah. psychopaths. They just grow up and they learn to socialize like we learn to socialize. But then sometimes as they get older and stress hits them, they can't cope with it, right? Like it's kind of like, but we don't call teenagers psychopaths unless they do something extremely really? psychopathic, right? Yeah. Like we don't call CEOs psychopaths, but we've, there's research that shows psychopaths are attracted to CEO positions, right? Yeah. Because of the power and to other positions of power, right? Yes. To maintain that bully victim mentality, right? Like yeah. whatever, wh whoever it's going towards. And to have enough like insensitivity to kind of do what you need to do mm -hmm. to get to the top. And enough intellect, that's right, and enough intellect to gain supporters as you're doing it. Yeah. Even as you're stepping on some people. Yes. Yeah. Because they're usually quite quite smart, like above mm -hmm. average and intelligent, I think. I think so psychotic. too, yeah. I'm pretty sure psych psychopaths tend to be highly intelligent, yeah. Yeah. And you know what, like on the sort of tragic side of it, like maybe part of that is because if you're lacking the ability to feel, mm -hmm. It's like you have to use your cognitive side to m almost mathematically figure out how things work. Because mm -hmm. you're certainly not going by your own emotions. No. you caring about anybody else's. That's right. The only thing you care about is when you see someone respond and you see their face or what they say, then you can learn, okay, I don't say that. Yeah. Because that causes that response. Yeah. And that will bring questions about my behavior, right? Yes. So they And they learn fast. Yes. Um, I think as you get to be an adult bully, we were talking about that, weren't we, Darcy? Yeah. As when kids grow up to be adult, basically they just grow up to be adult bullies, unless something happens to put them in check, right? Where they, yeah. And of course, if they're not like mentally so like psychopathic, where you can't change that. So as of today, yeah. There's no change for that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it it just perpetuates that constant need to have a bully day, right? Like anti-bullying day and anti-bullying groups. And yet, you, when you mentioned that that person gave a presentation about bullying, <laughs> that really didn't surprise me, actually. Really? Yeah, because oh I, I, know some, I know some other people who have done work totally specifically against bullying who are kind of bullies. Oh. 
Oh my God. And they kind of bully people into their way of thinking, right? The irony of it all. I know, <laughs> right? I was going to say the ironing of it all, right? <laughs> Just because it's not the word. Yeah. <laughs> and hopefully there's some bullies out there that want to send me some messages. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I didn't mean to take you off of this topic, no, but I guess it's the same topic. It's the same topic. We're talking about. Yeah, um, yeah. We're, we're running towards an hour and a half, I think, now? Yeah. yeah. So is there anything about, like, what do you do now? Let's talk about what you do now and have done over the last few years, 10 years, whatever years, like, to help yourself get away from that, right? To not have to rely on that, those, those kinds of people. Right? Like, yeah. um, what are some of the things you do now to, to get, yeah, I guess just to feel better and get better, whatever that looks like for you? Um, well, something I've, I've done and continue to do over the years is to, one is I've, I've read a lot of self-help books. Mm -hmm. I, I love doing that. So if I feel sort of mentally confused mm -hmm. like I'm I'm a little distressed I'm a little agitated I'm a little lost in mm -hmm. how to navigate my life I just I'll go down the chapters I'll, mm -hmm. I'll get a, a stack of books and I'll, I'll have a coffee in hand and I'll just like just you know I'll I might end up reading like half a book or I may just skimp through mm -hmm. all of them right but I kind of like to think that God leads me to the right books and the right mm -hmm. passages be because, but you know, like whenever, like whenever I leave, I have always read things that I needed to learn mm -hmm. to make sense of my own head. Yeah. And I've, I, ever since I had clinical depression at 25, I just read and read and read and read and read and read, like just that year, like mm -hmm. the self, that's when I hit the self help section. Right. Yeah. And, um, I realized the more I read, the more that I needed to fix what mm -hmm. was up here. And it wasn't just about chemicals and stuff like yeah. it is. Yeah. But I also realized that um, there was a lot with um, like kind of like a computer program. Like, you know, I needed to rebuild stuff. Mm -hmm. I needed to erase stuff. I needed to delete stuff, rebuild stuff, mm -hmm. modify stuff, add stuff you know, so that I could become more mentally resilient. Mm -hmm. And um, so I did that. I mean, I just read and read and read, and I, I still do that. I still go to chapters, and I still love doing it, and it still works. So if, if I'm, uh, like, basically, it, it's kind of like um, uh, my own mental health first aid, mm -hmm. right? That's what it is. Mm -hmm. And, and luckily, uh, so far, it, it, it seems to work. So um, I'll have more clarity mm -hmm. and more, more uh, self-confidence mm -hmm. and more, like, kind of vision, I guess. Like yeah. a broad, like, what do you call that, like in a camera where you go really wide? Oh, the wide angle? Uh, yeah. And I, panorama? I, panorama, yeah. That's what yeah. I used to call it. Yeah, panorama. panoramic view, I guess. Yeah, panoramic yeah. view. Yeah, yeah like I, w I would get like a wider view of things mm. so I could I could sort of understand things better yeah. and I'd have an idea of, of uh, how to think and feel about things and how to handle them so mm -hmm. that I could navigate things without uh, either it being beyond my, my scope of mm -hmm. resources or, or gaining you know, damage because mm -hmm. I'd be handling it the wrong way yeah. or 
whatever, right? So there's that. Um, I also learned to enjoy my own company. Mm -hmm. So when I was uh, living in Bankview um, and I had my first full-time job and I, I started going to the pub by myself, like I, I hated my own company. Mm -hmm. I did not want to be alone for two minutes. I would do anything to avoid it. Yeah. You know, uh, now I love my own company. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's like I have hobbies, I have interests, um, I have my own thoughts. Mm -hmm. You know, I I'm I can just sit there by myself, mm -hmm. and like I might be reading a book, or I might be just sipping on some tea, or watching TV, or just staring out the window. But even if I'm just doing nothing and uh, staring out the window, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, either at home or maybe at a coffee shop, people watching and looking out the window. Like, I I enjoy uh, my own thoughts. Mm -hmm. So that must mean that I've sort of taken the building blocks of my mind and I've rebuilt them so that uh, on a, a conscious level... Um, and I'm sure the unconscious has been worked on too, to some degree, if you can do that. Um, there what? isn't, there isn't a pain there. Mm. I'm not saying there's never pain there, yeah. but there isn't a constant pain like there was when I was in my twenties, mm -hmm. like 20 years ago. Yeah. So, so there's less pain and distress and there's more, um, just me, mm -hmm. right? Me as an individual. Who am I? Well, mm -hmm. I have a lot better of an idea of who I am now than mm -hmm. I did then. Yeah. So I just enjoy being me. Well, and, and I, one thing I've noticed about you, if you don't mind me saying, is that you've never shied away from learning about stuff, right? Like you've, yeah. you've never shy away from it, whether it's going into chapters, but also going to other things and learning stuff that you couldn't learn maybe anywhere else, right? Yeah, and, yeah. And what, a, what an incredible gift that is to yourself, right? To allow yourself to go to those places to get that information to get that whatever support you need too, right like yes. along the way well like in the last like year or two right i've technically i've been homeless right mm -hmm. like i i i live with my my father now and mm -hmm. have throughout covid and then before that i lived in like 10 different places no mm -hmm. sorry now, before that, I had an apartment with no no furnishings whatsoever. I never cooked in the apartment even once because mm -hmm. I had no pots and pans and no furnishings. And none of the several agencies I was involved with could do that for me. So, so that's another interview. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have you back and we'll talk just about housing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know that's a conversation all to itself, for it sure. It is. It is. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah, it absolutely is. And it's a story worth, worth talking about, mm -hmm. too, because for everyone, right? Because yeah. there's so much social justice involved in that. There's mm -hmm. so much, you know, that type of thing. But let's look at that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, technically, um, like two years ago, I went to a women's shelter for uh, domestic abuse, mm -hmm. right? And... I also had some other stuff happening at the same time, so lost my job, mm -hmm. my health started to decline, and, you know, like a cascading, you know, like the, what do you call that, like the, the castle of cards, mm -hmm. right? The, the bottom layer is starting to give out and the whole thing is going to come down, mm -hmm. so it did, and, but... In the last two years, like let's compare to age 25, I've got a full-time job, mm -hmm. 
I've got an apartment that I like well enough in a beautiful community of Bankview, known mm -hmm. for its, you know, flowering, fragrant trees and bushes, mm -hmm. right, and the Lilac Festival and all that, and you're you're right in the middle of everything, and you can walk downtown, mm -hmm. and, and I haven't finished my degree, but I have almost, right, mm -hmm. <laughs> like almost a degree, yeah. and, um, and I'm miserable. I'm miserable, mm -hmm. and I'm drinking every day, right, and I'm doing anything to distract myself from my own existence. Mm -hmm. But let's look at the last two years, like, you know, poverty and homelessness. I didn't use alcohol mm -hmm. to deal with that. I still had an inner peace, mm -hmm. like an inner inner okayness yeah. with who I was. And yes, I struggled like with identity or what I thought of everything happening. Mm. And yes, you know, when I was wearing like thrift store clothes that I wouldn't normally wear in a million years and I don't even look like myself. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, who mm. am I again? Right. But I was able to um, deal with that mental struggle and, and I had the, you know, the cognitive capacity to, to deal with it without having to you know resort uh to alcohol mm -hmm. without having basically without having to run right yeah. because that's what i was doing in my i was running mm -hmm. running away from i think they call it escapism mm -hmm. right and it's like whether people do it with video games or Whatever. shopping constantly mm -hmm. or um uh, working 80 hours a week mm -hmm. or drugs or um whatever it is maybe some people it's dating constantly for sure right like that's one of them or whatever yeah you know it's running you know mm -hmm. i don't want to just be me i don't yeah. want to just be able to sit still mm -hmm. and be me but i was able to do that and i'm not saying it wasn't extremely difficult at times and that i didn't suffer at times mm -hmm. and that it wasn't extremely hard at times um but i was i you know, I, and if I ever noticed that I was starting to kind of slip into a mindset of escapism, mm -hmm. well, maybe if I just, or maybe, right? Like, mm -hmm. it's like, it's like, no, no, you're, you're, <laughs> you mm. know where that leads, Sandra. Like, yeah. it, you're just going to dig a deeper hole. Right? Well, that, that's a, that's an awesome, if you don't mind, that's an awesome place to end it because the, yeah. to end it on that, that contrast of, what it was like and what it's like now because yeah. i i agree it couldn't be more different right like yeah and it doesn't sometimes people look at like that those external things as success right like oh you had a job you were in school life must have been so much better yeah. right yeah. and it's like no you don't quite understand what it was like right when yeah. when you started doing the work you're doing to get better and to to move forward in your life that changes everything right yeah because then you can be anywhere and find yourself at peace, right? Yes. And I think that is, well, for my money, I think that's hopefully what I can achieve at some point, right? Is to be at peace with who I am or who you are, who Darcy is, who, who anyone is, right? Like It's a journey that everyone's yeah. on, I think. Mm. And like, you know, just like a nice closing comment too is um, uh, just like seeing on television like last week mm -hmm. like it was about this uh, professional I think he was a bas was he a basketball player but it was a professional uh, sports mm -hmm. uh, person who was making um, I think 
three million or more a year mm-hmm. and he was on a talk show last week saying how when he gave all that up and he and if and i'm going to talk about just god as well like as a la- yeah. as a closing remark like you know, because that's always been part of my journey, mm-hmm. you know, always, you know, my relationship with, with God for sure. But I just, I love this, this story that, um, he gave up a $3 million a year job. He was in, he was miserable. Mm-hmm. He was in pain. He was, he was spiritually like, um, he felt that he was attacked by demons mm-hmm. at night and, that he was just in a, in a really vulnerable place, like spiritually, personally, he was unhappy, he was mm-hmm. lonely, right? And then he gave all that up, and he, now, it's like, he, I, I forget exactly what he does, but mm-hmm. he, he does something in the community to help other people. Yeah. It's something that he collects, like, funding for, mm-hmm. and charity work, and he doesn't have, like... A significant income Mm -hmm. and he gave it all away and now he says when he like sits alone in the Mm -hmm. evening by himself he just has a huge smile on his face Mm -hmm. like he's just happy with who he who he is oh I like that yeah let's just we're gonna end on that because that's perfect